Welcome back to The Master. Eric Roy joins us now, a well-known Southland farmer is how he describes himself. He also happens to be the chair of Pork NZ. He's involved with something to do with Mirihiku uh, Energy. Eric, help me out here. Uh, green, uh, the, the green energy work stream, uh, hydrogen, uh, green uh, e- electricity generation and and stuff like that. Yeah, there we go. A lot of hats. Uh, but Eric, you join us now. You're about to go and drench and vaccinate deer. How are things on the Southern Ranch? Uh, we're up at Tiar now, and and fortuitously, the last six weeks after the drought broke, we've had good growth, and we can go into the winter knowing there's a way forward. Six weeks ago, we weren't too sure about that, so it's. Uh, yeah, time to get the stags out and to um, uh, tag, nate tag the, the wee fellas. And we also do a precautionary drench uh, with the tagging. So that's our chore for today. Brilliant. And speaking of nate, uh, I happen to live with someone who's a bit connected in nate who told me to say, everyone, uh, the 1st of June, there was a bit of messaging coming around with the changing of the dairy season. Be a mate update Nate. So there we go. Good on you, Eric. You're uh, ticking that one off. I segwayed that nicely. You did. You did indeed. Hey, look, we're going to look at the pork industry. Obviously, three weeks ago or so, uh, beginning of May, uh, the Code of Welfare uh, information came out. Uh, Quite catastrophic if you listen to a lot of people connected with the industry. One thing that uh, really interests me, Eric, is we are looking at implementing all of these changes to our pork industry here in New Zealand that really will change how we operate and how the industry operates as a whole. Why are we not enforcing these same code of welfare standards to imported pork? You know, I know nothing about the pork industry, but to me that would make sense. You've hit a, you've, you've scratched a bit of a saw there, Rowena. <laughs> yeah. Look, um, uh, firstly, um, the, the, the code of welfare that's been put out for public consultation uh, isn't set in stone yet. The minister has to decide uh, after the submissions are in, and NAWAC's reported on the submissions, where um, just where he wants to go with that. The first issue we have is that the code was written by NAWAC, and, and they were good intentioned, but poorly informed, and they didn't consult with us in the way that they should have. And now we're putting in our submission, and they get to mark their own work. So I think that's a bit of a, a flaw in the law, if we could uh, could say that for a start. But we've had some consultation with NAWAC, and it's probably fair to say they were reasonably focused, slightly heated exchanges about some of the things that they put in, which are highly prescriptive, somewhat reminiscent of the... Um, wintering program for cattle that had to be reviewed after they talked to the practitioners and so we've made it pretty clear that uh, if if they service up something that doesn't work, we're destined to sort this out with some sort of judicial process where we will be shredding their credibility. So I'm not (laughs) sure if that's going to motivate them to to listen or not. But you hit upon that, why do we have one set of rules in New Zealand and one for elsewhere, and, and we currently have a petition uh, with about 4,000 signatures into Parliament saying that's exactly what we want. Why affect uh, on us standards that aren't applied anywhere else in the world? We import about 62% of what we eat in New Zealand, and um, 
why don't we have the same rules? But I think in our hearts we know that um, world trade rules aren't fair and, uh, you know, they have countervailing duties on other products and all sorts of things. So it's a bit of a challenging arena. Damn it, I've just Googled that petition and the uh, signature's closed on the 31st of January of this year, so I can't sign it. Is that the one by Francis Clement? Yeah, that's the one. Damn it. Yeah, well, we, we I'd have signed it well, 10 times if I could. Yeah, very good point. <laughs> you see, we were told that the Code of Welfare was going to be um, put out for public consultation at the end of January. Oh, yes. So we've been sitting on this uh, petition until the code was uh, released and now we've put it out there because we needed to have um, coincidence where these two things ran together. One thing that uh, really strikes me, Eric, and I commend you for your role as chair of NZ Pork because I imagine you must be tearing your hair out because so often uh, I get really fired up. I mean, as I say, I'm not a a pork farmer. I'm an ex-dairy farmer. uh, But so much of what you have to deal with absolutely defies logic. You know, having to fight for years upon years upon years to even get uh, the origin of country of origin labelling sorted and in the meantime they've kind of half done that but not gone the whole way Uh, we just don't seem to have a level playing field well that's true and my motivation to get involved when uh, I was asked by the minister if I would uh, step up to the role my my motivation is simply this that I'm in the protein market and if you've got a weak link it it impacts everything else also the pork industry um, is seen somewhat as low-hanging fruit around these issues of um, codes of welfare, and and it's important just for the livestock sector in general to uh, make sure that we're we're all singing off the same song sheet and what happens in one arena is likely to follow somewhere else. So I'm pretty keen to make sure that whilst I don't have a direct uh, involvement in raising pork, there are issues that just follow through to the other sectors of the livestock industry and the grain industry as well with big users of uh, concentrate feed. So it's quite a complex market. Now, Eric, well, at least you also understand legislation and how to argue, uh, one might say, given your career in Parliament. So I think you are the right person for the job. Uh, Just shifting our attention slightly, there's also changes in line for Code of Welfare uh, for dairy as well. Uh, Any other industries? Correct. There, there's one. It's been released for public consultation, and I haven't seen it, but I've been told it's highly prescriptive as well. For example, it has one of the one of the uh, things that the code says is that uh, raising uh, bobby calves need to be fed 20% of their body weight in milk a day. So if you've got a a 40 kilogram calf, it needs to have eight liters of milk. Ooh. Um, that screams yeah. scours as well. The poor thing well, will be so it, full. I reared a few calves, not like as many as most dairy farmers, but my understanding was it was all about um, developing the rumen and getting yeah. them on hard feed. And uh, yes, look, um, and this is the sort of thing where we've got um, NAWAC seemed to read a paper that was written in, in one case, uh, as far as pork's concerned, 1983. And then without peer reviewing it or just checking with it, does this really work, they put these prescriptive things into the codes that they put out for public consultation. 
And um, they, they're going to have to step back from some of this, or, as I say, there will be some sort of judicial proceeding to sort it out. Look, Eric, uh, throughout our conversation, I can't help thinking, you know, if you could meet a genie and get three wishes out of a bottle and you only got one wish, not even three, I used to think I would ask to be able to sing. But now I think what I would like if I met a genie and could grant me one wish would be to have people making legislation that actually understand the (laughs) industry for that legislation. Am I wrong on this? Yeah, you, you've summed it up precisely. <laughs> and, and well, actually, you don't actually have to know the industry, but you need to include listen. the industry in what you're yep. doing and listen and peer review everything. Science is about thesis and antithesis, and you need to look at both sides of that. And as I said to NAWAC, you can go out today and find scientists that are anti-vax or scientists that are anti-climate that uh, climate change. That doesn't make them right. And it doesn't actually stop them being scientists. But everything needs to be put through that balance of peer review to end up where you need to be. There we go, everyone. Listen to Eric Roy and Rowena Duncan, and we will save the world a lot of stress. <laughs> South and Farmer, Chair of NZ Pork, wearer of a lot of hats. Eric Roy, thank you so much for your time on The Muster today. All good.